0: listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Normally I'm on the worship team today, I get to teach and share as we continue in our series uh, on Matthew. And today we're going we're to talk about the blessings, the, the eight blessings that Jesus pronounces over his early followers. You know, this is the, the intro to the Sermon on the Mount, and he opens up with, you know, blessed, blessed are those... Or poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart. These are called the Beatitudes, often called the Beatitudes, which is just the, the Latin translation of the word blessing. Uh, as I was thinking about this, about those who are blessed and what it is to be blessed, I, um, I thought about the first time I did announcements here. You know, we just saw Annie do announcements. The very first time was four years ago I came up here. I was new to the church. I had only led worship a couple times, and they asked me to, to do announcements. And I was nervous. Uh, there's all these details you have to remember, all this information you have to get right. And I didn't know any of any of you. And I came up here, and I was holding a, a connection card, and my hand was shaking. I was nervous. My I, I think my voice was trembling. I, I think you could tell I was scared. And I did okay. I got through the announcements, but afterwards, I I walked um walked down that ramp. As I was walking down, I heard a lady over here. She said, oh, bless his heart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I knew it. I deserve that. <laughs> bless his heart. Uh, there's different shades of meaning to that phrase, different connotations. But I knew exactly what she meant. <laughs> she meant, help this poor man. Lord, help him. Show your favor upon him. He needs some help. I did. I, I struggle sometimes. Uh, a couple of years later, I did announcements again for the second time. They waited two more years. I came back up. I told that story of how I was nervous and how this lady said, bless your heart. And uh, people thought it was funny. They related to it, I think. They thought it was endearing, right? Because we all struggle, maybe even in that way. Uh, but now, I have become the bless your heart guy. Uh, probably twice a month, someone will come up to me and say, well, bless your heart. You know, as a callback to that moment, I am the bless your heart guy. But at this point, I think my heart is fully blessed. I really do. I I think it's overflowing with blessings. And I I wanted to bless uh, some other people in here today. Uh, I'm sure there's some other people who struggle. Anyone else struggle with speaking in front of people? Your, Your hands are shaking. Voice is trembling. Raise your hand. Bless your heart. Bless, bless, bless your heart. I want to bless your heart. Bless, bless, bless. It's tough. We struggle. It's rough. I, I want to bless some people who struggle. Who, who struggled to wake up this morning they didn't want to get out of bed. They didn't want to come to church. Bless your heart back there. But you did anyway. Bless your heart. I want to bless those of you who are, are struggling just in general. Maybe life is rough. Maybe life has you feeling beat down right now. I want to say bless your heart. I want to just kind of pray a blessing over you. Bless those of you who are hurting, uh, maybe mourning and grieving over something that you've lost recently. Bless those of you who are feeling spiritually numb, spiritually dull. You're just going through the motions, but you, you desire for more. I want to bless those of you who are feeling lonely, feeling alone, feeling overlooked and insignificant, feeling like no one sees you. You know, blessed are you, blessed are us, for we are exactly the type of people that Jesus searched for and looked for and blessed. We are the type of people that he gravitated towards in his early ministry. And we see that in, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 25. It says, large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. You know, Early in his, his ministry, he's, Jesus is teaching and he's, he's healing people. He's delivering those who are tormented. He's restoring sight. He's speaking words of life over these people. And they just gravitate towards him. There's something um, captivating. There's a gravitational pull towards him. And over and over again in the book of Matthew, it keeps saying that. As you read through the book of Matthew, over and over again, it'll say a crowd of people followed him wherever he went. You know, if if he went to the sea, they would follow him to the shore. If he walked through town, they followed him. And if he went up on a hillside, they followed him. And I was reading this. I just, I had this picture, um, just just picturing this crowd following him everywhere. I had this picture. Have you ever seen little kids play soccer? They they uh, they do something we call a bunch ball. You know, the real little kids. You know, the 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 ball will go over there, and every player from uh, both teams will just kind of like, they all go over to the ball. They all circle it. Uh, there's, no one is waiting on, on the sidelines for someone to pass them the ball. You know, the ball goes over there and the full group of kids. Have you seen this? Little kids and saw a bunch ball. They crowd around it. They can't take their eyes off the ball. That's all they can think about. They just want to be around the ball. And, and it's, a, it's not a perfect analogy because with Jesus and the crowd, there was no kicking involved. <laughs> but that's what I pictured. Jesus would go north and the crowd would follow him. He would go to the sea, and the crowd would follow him, and he would go up on the mountaintop, and the crowd would follow him. We see this in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He begins to teach. This is the first major teaching we, we have in the book of Matthew. This is the first time we hear him, him preach. You know, he goes up on this hill. He sits down. His disciples and this crowd gather around him. He begins to teach. And today, we're just going to go over the intro of this sermon. This is just a taste, a little sample. Uh, the rest of the sermon is a full-course meal, which elaborates and expounds on the, the ideas and concepts behind these blessings. We're going to look at the intro. This, this crowd of people have followed him, and this is what he opens up with, verse 3 through 5. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is how he begins. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn the meek. And this is exactly maybe the opposite of what we think of when we think of the word blessed. Often um, often we use the word blessed to portray someone who has maybe a beautiful beautiful family. Blessed. You know, a big house, good genetics, great looks. Maybe a life that is free of difficulty. Uh, blessed is, is often synonymous with success. Uh, but Jesus here is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit and those who mourn and the meek. These first three, these first three blessings are kind of puzzling. Um, and a lot of times people read these and they, I think, maybe overanalyze them. And they try to figure out, okay, I've, if I want to be blessed by God, I need to be poor somehow, poor in spirit. I need to cry. I need to make sure I'm crying over something. I, I need to make sure I'm powerless or meek. And they look up the Webster's Dictionary definition of these words, and they try to shape their life around these words, and they look into the, the deeper theological meanings, and they're like, how can I mourn? But I think, I think that's missing the point of this section. With these first three blessings, I think he's looking these people in the face these people who are broken, these people who are living in a cutthroat society of the Roman Empire, these people who are mistreated, these people who need healing, these people who are are poor, who are mourning. He's looking at these people in their face, and he's saying, I'm here with you. I know what you're going through. I know what your situation is like. You know, I'm here to comfort you. That's what I think we're seeing in these first three blessings. And that's what the word uh, blessed means. In Scripture, blessed means that we are in right relationship with God, that we are experiencing His presence and His nearness. We are in alignment with God. We're, we're walking in formation with God, we're walking in step with God in the path to right living. And that relationship with God is the blessing. And so here Jesus is saying, you know, blessed are the poor and those who mourn and the meek for the kingdom begins with you. And this is kind of a reversal of expectations, you know, on who's blessed. It is the powerless, the insignificant. Jesus saying Jesus is saying the kingdom starts with you. Those who are brokenhearted, those who mourn. As I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but thinking about my, um, recently, I've been restoring rusty barbells. I was thinking of this, you know, just, uh, for some reason, I've always loved home gym equipment. I don't know why. I like barbells and weight plates. I'm not sure. Um, And several months ago, I got this really rusty barbell. There it is. Uh, Someone was pretty much giving it away for free. It was one step away from the scrapyard or or the, the dumpster. So I got it and I looked up, you know, how do you restore a rusty barbell? And I saw there's instructions online. They say for really cheap you can soak it in vinegar and then you take a wire brush to it and there's this whole process. You put, you rinse it off with water and baking soda so it doesn't rust immediately again. And you wipe it down and you put three in one oil on it and you brush that in and there's this whole process. And I'm not the most handy guy. I'm not too handy, but I followed these instructions. And I went through the process—the the different oils and the, the, the baking soda and the water—and I, I scrubbed it with a, a wire brush and soaked it in vinegar. And you guys want to see the result? Let's see it. Boom! I was amazed. I walked in the house with a big, old smile on my face, showing my wife, like, look what I did. I restored this bar. It's shiny. The, all the ridges to the knurl are, are clean. The sleeves are spotless. You could read the, the label of the brand on, on the end cap. I found uh, a little bit. So I started looking for, for rusty barbells at that point. Uh, I did. I started searching it out, Facebook, Craigslist, like, I want to find some more. I want to find, find the most rusty barbell. I want, to, I want to find one that looks like it sunk on the Titanic. And I want to see, can I restore this? I found one, another one for $5. It was dirty, rusty. Uh, you couldn't read the label on the end cap. You couldn't see what brand. I restored it. And it ended up being this high-end Ivanko barbell that it's worth over $1,000 when brand new. I got it for 5 bucks, And so I'm seeing treasure here. I'm like, wow, this. So again, I started looking for rusty bar. I wanted to find the barbells that no one else wanted. Uh, I wanted the barbells that no one wanted to touch, the ones that were uh, kept in the back of the shed in the garage that no one has seen in decades. That's the barbell I wanted. And I realized that when your goal is restoration, when your delight is in restoration, you go searching for that which needs to be desperately restored. And if you could look in my eyes when I saw a rusty barbell at that point, you would see that I saw the value, the worth, the potential. You know, behind the the layers of dust and dirt and, and rust and all that is gross... And barnacles, whatever is on these, these barbells. Behind those layers, I was able to see the value, the beauty, the treasure, the beauty of, of spotless, uh, neural, unblemished sleeves. And I think that gives us a glimpse maybe of what Jesus saw when he looked at these people, these, these broken-hearted, mourning, powerless, insignificant people. I think when he saw them, if you could see, if you could look in his eyes, he saw the value, the worth, the potential, the treasure, the beauty. He saw these people as being worthy of being the start of the new kingdom. And we we see a hint of this in um, in the Old Testament. This is Isaiah sixty-one. I think we see a, a hint of this uh, last week. Adam taught about the different layers of interpreting Scripture. And he said the second layer is called remez. Do you guys remember this? Remez is a hint back to previous scripture. So when you're reading uh, the teachings of Paul or Jesus, there's often hints back and parallels and echoes. And that's what I saw in in Isaiah 61. We sang two songs at least, maybe three songs inspired by this, this verse today. I see Jesus is echoing this. This passage. It says, The Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, and to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Bless their heart. It's rough. It's rough being a parent, it's a struggle. Here in this scripture, the anointed one is here to comfort those who mourn, encourage the brokenhearted. And the poor. And then, right after this, in Isaiah 61, it's in your notes, but it says, These people who are poor and mourning and broken, these are the people who will then restore the new kingdom. These are the people who will rebuild, these are the people who will bring the renewal of the new kingdom. And that leads us to the next four blessings in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, again, the the first three blessings point uh, to the fact that God is taking the brokenhearted and the mourning and the powerless, and he's he's using them to restore the new kingdom. Uh, These four, these four are showing a, a higher standard. These four are showing the people that God is forming, a new way of living. And all four of these have to do with our relationship with God and our relationship with people. Our relationship with God and our relationship with people. So righteousness, a very simple definition. This is very simple. Righteousness is a right relationship with God and with people. Because restoration of relationship is the highest value in the new kingdom. And so we do that by being merciful. You know, mercy is, is being kind and forgiving and compassionate. Jesus challenges us all through the gospel. He says, Forgive your enemies, forgive others, for you have been forgiven, show mercy, for you have been shown mercy. This is not what the the Roman Empire thought. There was a a Roman philosopher who said that that mercy was a disease of the soul. The Romans uh, worshiped might and strength and power, and so Jesus is saying, you know, this is a new way of living. This is a way of living with righteousness and beauty. This is what I'm calling you to. And he's calling us to look at others with the same eyes that he looks at us to see the value and the worth and the potential in, in even our enemies, even the people that we need to forgive. To be uh, pure in heart, pure in heart has to do with our relationship with God. And so when you mess up, and when your heart and when your thoughts and your desires are contaminated by sin, Jesus says to acknowledge it and confess and repent. And then like a restored barbell, you know, all blemishes and stains are washed away clean completely. I'm going to read this, um, Psalm 32. I just have it in my notes. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So that's pure of heart. Finally, peacemakers, um, we're called to be peacemakers. This is, not, this is not global peace or world peace. This is, this is peace with God and, and peace with others. Again, restoration of relationships, reconciliation of relationships is the highest value in this kingdom. And again, over and over again, Jesus says to forgive your enemy and to bless those who have hurt you and pray for those who have mistreated you. This is difficult. Bless those who have hurt you. I remember I was in life group uh, three to four years ago. And we were talking about forgiveness. And there was a lady in the, in the group, and she was talking about a really rough time that she went through. Uh, she was mistreated, hurt, maybe betrayed, um, by her, her close friend. I guess it was just an awful situation. You know, I was listening to this story and just relating, you know, to being hurt. And she said that bitterness was starting to rise up in her and she couldn't stop thinking about it. It was starting to consume her. You know, and that, that confessed her and turned into hate. It could swirl around these thoughts of bitterness and... But at at a certain point, she said, one day she decided to pray a blessing for this person who hurt her. Pray a blessing. pray, Pray that her family would be blessed. Pray that her kids would be blessed. Pray that maybe her career would be blessed. Pray that they would be comforted. That God would be with them. That they would find peace. And that was then a normal part of her practice. She would pray a a blessing for this person who incredibly just uh, hurt her. And I was listening to this story and I heard that part and for some reason I was shocked by it. There's something shocking about it. You know, it's, it's beautiful and it's challenging, but I think there's something even offensive to our ego and our pride when we hear that and when we think about the people that have hurt us. And it was like, you know, I grew up in the church. I, I've heard all my life that we're to forgive our enemies and, and pray for those who hurt you, but, but hearing it for the first time, or hearing it right in front of me, in this story, for some reason, it was like I was hearing it for the first time. And maybe it was like a, it's like a glimpse of what the first century uh, people would have heard when hearing these counterintuitive messages of Jesus. And this person who prayed the blessing over, over um her friend that hurt her. She said that as she did that, as she prayed a blessing, you know, a sense of freedom and peace just kind of washed over her. Uh, Freedom from bitterness. Freedom from the ugliness that, that can fester within us. You know, this is an example of righteousness. This is what it is to be merciful. This is the way to having a pure heart. This is what it is to be a peacemaker. And that leads us to our final blessing. And this blessing, Jesus is saying, you know, when you follow me, when you live this way, this is not gonna be easy. Verse 10 through 12 says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. With this final blessing, again, he's saying to be a follower of Christ is difficult, it seems impossible sometimes. You may be mistreated, you may be hurt. There may be injustice in your in your life. It might not be fair. And then we're we're called to forgive, to to pray a blessing, to speak a blessing over their life. Without the Holy Spirit, that that seems impossible sometimes. But in these blessings, we're. we're we're shown that this is what we're called to do, to live in right relationship with God and with people. We're called to be peacemakers, and that is peace with God and peace with others and peace within us. We're called to be pure of heart and to have mercy. And I had this picture of the, that crowd of people that just followed Jesus wherever they went, wherever he went, that crowd of people just followed him. You know, if Jesus went north, they went north. If he went to the sea, they went to the sea. And I, I had this picture of, of me just following Jesus wherever he's, wherever he's going. You know, Jesus, if you're going north, I want to go north. If you're saying forgive, ultimately I want to forgive. If you're saying have mercy, if you're saying pray a blessing, I want to follow you there. I do ultimately, I do want to, to live a life of righteousness and mercy. I want to be pure of heart. I do want to walk in the full potential of how you saw me, of how you see me. Right now, I'm going to have Ryan come up, and he's going to sing the words from, from these blessings. And I just want to kind of just slow down and, and take a time right now as he sings a song. We're going to stay seated. I want us all to examine ourselves, um, to maybe call to mind those people. And I'm sure for some of us it comes easy. Those people who have hurt you, mistreated, uh, people you consider enemies. Call to mind those people and then think about the challenge. Of Jesus, who says to bless them. Truly bless them. Pray a blessing over their, over their life, over their family. That they would be comforted, that they would walk in alignment with you, Lord, that they would walk in formation with you, that they would have peace. This is difficult. Again, there's so much in this that resists. There's that inner monologue, that lawyer within our brain who figures out all the reasons why we shouldn't. Uh, but during this song, you know, I want us all just to kind of examine our heart. Do we have a pure heart? Do we have forgiveness issues? Do we have a, a grudge that maybe is even justified, it seems, but let us consider to pray a blessing over them. And then maybe even make that a practice and see how that that transforms your heart and brings freedom and peace. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, search our heart. Show us if there are any offensive ways to you. I pray that you would soften our heart in a way that we can't on our own. I pray that you would do things within us that are beyond our understanding, our own ability, beyond our own pride and ego. I pray that your, your conviction and your guidance would just fill every space of our mind and heart. As we hear your, the, the words right from your teaching, I'm reminded that nothing softens my heart like you. Nothing brings me to a place of forgiveness like you. Nothing reframes my perspective like you. So Lord, we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. One reason I think um, Jesus chose the poor and those who are mourning and those who are meek as the first in the kingdom, I, I think they were the most ready for change. They were the most open to follow Jesus wherever he pointed, wherever he went. And I pray that we would be a people Who would follow in action, with where he points and what he says? When he says forgive and show mercy and pray a blessing, that we would. These blessings are these blessings are also a reflection of the life of Jesus, who came from humble beginnings, who was merciful, who was pure of heart, who was a peacemaker who was also persecuted and insulted on his way to the cross. You know, he was the, the full of expression of this counterintuitive upside-down kingdom in which the last is first, the least is greatest, the humble are exalted, losing is finding, and dying is living. Let's prepare for communion. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread... till he comes. Let's remember him. Let's pray. So Lord, give us uh, the strength. Again, once again, give us the strength to do what we cannot do on our own. I pray that we would be open and moldable and pliable to your guidance, your convictions. I pray that we'd be a people who just uh, follow you wherever you go. And that we would see those people who we consider our enemies, that we would see them in the way that you see them, their value, uh, their worth, their potential. Even if we don't enter back into relationship with them, even if we're not around them, I pray that we would uh, be able to pray a blessing over their life. And then that we would rejoice and be glad And experience the freedom and the healing within us and the peace. Lord, we we thank you for your words, for your truth. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.